swing and a drive, deep to left center field, going, going, goodbye baseball! This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss, strike three, that's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle, oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Next two hours, chock full of Mariners and baseball conversation here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Extra Innings. Really appreciate you stopping by. And I normally start this show off by just kind of giving you my thoughts on on the week that was or or just kind of the big topic at hand with the Mariners as they now embark on a road trip that takes them to Philadelphia starting tomorrow to take on the defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies, a team in a very similar spot to where the Mariners are uh, at the start of their season. Both teams with 12 losses through the first 22 games. Uh, so it should be a very interesting interesting series coming up starting tomorrow as the Mariners travel to Philadelphia. We've got a ton of guests coming up tonight. Brandon Gustin, as always, at 7.15, our surprise special guest. At 8 o'clock, we've got Matt Gelb, who covers the Philadelphia Phillies for the Athletic. And then at 8.30, Kyle Glazer of Baseball America stops by to talk some prospects to talk about Jared Kelnick's start to the season. There's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of guests coming your way over the next couple hours as we've got a tremendous amount of baseball talk to get to, but I'm going to do something a little different to start off this edition of Extra Innings. I'm going to give you my three up and three down from the weekend for the Mariners, and let's begin with up. Let's begin with a guy who may be higher up than anybody right now on this Mariners roster, and that's one Jared Kelnick. Here's Jared Kelnick, the pitch on the way. Swinging, fly ball, left field and deep. O'Neal going back to the one he tracked to the wall. It's gone. Goodbye, baseball. Another opposite field home run to left for Jared Kelnick. He did it last night to left field. He does it again this afternoon. His sixth home run of the season. And this young man is red hot at the start of the year. The Mariners get on the board. It's the Cardinals two and the Mariners one. Jared Kelnick leading the team in home runs. He's second and runs batted in with 13. He's leading the team in total bases. He's leading all regulars in batting average, in on-base percentage, obviously in slugging percentage, in OPS, in war. He is leading everywhere you could possibly look right now on the Mariners' leaderboard. But the most impressive thing about him so far this season has been not just his ability to hit to all fields, but I mean, you look at what he did last year, home runs. He hit one home run that was on, that was an opposite field home run and he hit it to left field this year. He has only pulled, if we're looking at his baseball savant spray chart, he's really only pulled two of his six home runs this season. He deposited that one over the left field fence on Sunday. I mean, this is a guy that's not just doing it one way with the bat like he had always been. And I think it's interesting how now he has been able to spray to all fields in a year where the shift has finally been banned. It's like, why didn't this why didn't this happen years prior, Jared? But that's another point. But Jared Kelnick has been the brightest spot on this Mariners roster through the season's first 22 games. Brighter than Luis Castillo, brighter than anybody else on this roster, and that is somebody who is clearly clearly up to start this season now how about who's down let's take a look at who's down 
My first down is going to be Chris Flexen, and Chris Flexen having a rough go of it. Now, he is being pressed into duty. He was not anticipating being the Mariners' fifth starting pitcher. He's 0-4 right now, filling in for Robbie Ray. 21 and a third innings pitch, 21 earned runs allowed, 11 walks, just 14 strikeouts, 5 home runs, 31 hits allowed, uh, 5.9 strikeouts per nine innings. His ERA up near nine right now. It, it has been a very... Very, very tough go of it for him. Here's Scott Service yesterday talking about how Flex really has not had his whole arsenal working. Yeah, like I said, his stuff is it's not been his A game. You know, the crispness to his stuff. And Flex that needs to get all of his pitches working uh, together. Some Sometimes out it's his changeup that's working, and then other times it's his cutter that's working. But he really hasn't had, you know, his whole arsenal working in any one outing he's been out there. And he needs it because he does not have one pitch that's just overpowering uh, like some of the guys do have. Now, the good news is that eventually Robbie Ray will return to the rotation, but what do you do in the interim? What do you do with Chris Flexen right now, who has not been giving you competitive starts every time he has touched the mound? And, I mean, he's had a couple of starts really go sideways yesterday. Maybe not entirely his fault because we'll get to it a little bit later on in this segment, but right now Chris Flexen has been a net negative in that starting rotation and I wonder what his role is going to be once Robbie Ray returns to the Mariners' starting rotation, hopefully in the month of May. How about for somebody who's up? How about Teoscar Hernandez? 3-1 Cardinals, 3-2 pitch here to Hernandez. Pitch swung on, line drive, deep right center field. It's got some carry. Gone! Tayo, back-to-back nights. Two-run homer, ties it at 3-3. Teoscar Hernandez has five home runs on the season. He's got that batting average up to 244. He's got the OPS up to 736. This is a guy who, as I've talked about before, has gotten up to slow starts in seasons, but you know what? That power bat is coming. That power bat is starting to round into shape. He's off to a much better start than uh, you know other guys on this roster, clearly. But I look at Teoscar Hernandez right now as a guy that – Sure, you know, the walks aren't quite there. I think he only has two so far this season compared to 27 strikeouts in just 86 at-bats. But he hit a home run on Saturday. He hit a home run on Friday. And one of the best signs to me was seeing that million-dollar smile of his in the dugout after hitting. Uh, I believe it was the game-tying home run on Saturday against the Cardinals. You know, hoisting the trident in the air, wearing the swellment. You could tell that that was a guy who was starting to have fun. It didn't feel like there were there were times early on this season you could tell that he was just kind of like, man, I I don't struggle like this. This is this is not the kind of struggle that I'm used to. Uh, last year he struggled in the month of May for Toronto. This year it was early in the month of April. Now, if this, if this is all the struggle that we see from Teoscar Hernandez this season, I, I will take it. If this is his jumping off point to being the Teo that they brought over from Toronto, that they gave up Eric Swanson for, that they said, Mitch Haniger, thank you for what you have done in a Mariners uniform, but we're moving on to Teoscar Hernandez. This is the guy that we were promised, the guy who hit a pair of home runs over the weekend to help the Mariners in their cause to win on Friday, to win on Saturday in that Friday game. How about it? Three for four on the day, uh, or two for four, I should say, with three runs scored. It was just an incredible day for him at the plate. Uh, Really a, a sight to see for this Mariners offense. Now, what is next that is getting me down? Well, 
I don't want to pile on, but right now it's Colton Wong. The one-two pitch. Swing and a line drive. Back at it. Catch. Crawford throws the second. The ball glances off the glove of Wong. They almost double off the runner at second. Kisner trying to get back to the bag. Well, that play loomed very large in yesterday's game because the very next batter was Nolan Gorman, who has been one of the best hitters in the National League, and he deposited a three-run home run over the fence. That play would have gotten the Mariners out of the inning. Now, Colton Wong, his reputation across Major League Baseball prior to this season, he had a down-year fielding in 2022, but has won a gold glove in the past and had hoped to get off to a better start, at least with the glove this season than he had a year ago, and that just hasn't been the case. Now, we we know what his bat has been like this season. I don't think there's anything new we can add to that conversation about what he has been with the bat. But as you know, in baseball, you cannot take your hitting woes into the field, just as you cannot take your fielding woes with you to the plate. And right now, I, I worry that Colton Wong is maybe taking his woes with the stick uh, to the field, to second base, and he's unable to make the plays that he's made his entire career. That was a tough one yesterday, bouncing off the side of his glove, allowing the Cardinals to get an extra bat in that fourth inning, and then they took full advantage of it, blowing the game wide open off the bat of Nolan Gorman. Let's take a look at one more thing that I'm up on, and that is the leaks of the Mariners City Connect jerseys. Now, we haven't seen the full uniform. We've just seen the jersey. We've not seen the batting helmet. We have not seen the hats. We've not seen the pants. We've seen grainy pictures of the socks, but what I've seen from the jersey, I really, really like. It's got a a script of Seattle across the chest, sort of in that old Seattle Pilots font where it's kind of slanted a little bit. It's a, a, a really strong royal blue color, and it's got piping on the sleeves that is that old gold that the pilots used as well. Uh, I like the number font on the back. I think that's a really strong look. Now, the one thing that I am going to be heavily critical of, if it turns out to be true, is if this uniform does not have white or cream-colored pants. If it if the pants to this uniform are blue, I am I am going to lose it. I am not going to be happy. I do not want to see them wearing pajamas out on the field. Give me some contrast between the jersey and the pants. I'm very particular about this, as you could probably tell by the sound of my voice, okay? Now let's get to our final thing that I'm down on, and that's Dylan Moore's latest setback. You know, he was rehabbing with AAA Tacoma as of late but it does not look like he's going to be back in a Mariners uniform uh, as quickly as hoped because it sounds like he is his experience is set back. Uh, he is going to go see a specialist in Philadelphia uh, in hopes of getting things sorted out. He had been missed. He had missed nearly all of the season with dealing with that oblique injury. He began his rehab in, in Tacoma. Things did not feel right. They have shut him down for the time being. Going to go get an opinion from that doctor out in Philadelphia and reassess from there. Hopefully all is okay because as we know here with this Mariners roster, second base has been a very, very glaring spot 
in the lineup and in the field. And Dylan Moore, a lot was anticipated of him. The Mariners gave him that contract extension during the offseason, so uh, hopefully he's able to come back safe. That is the first edition of 3-Up, 3-Down here on Mariners Extra Innings. And joining me around the break, it'll be Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. We'll get into this past Mariners homestand and take a look ahead as to what awaits them on the road Don't go anywhere. This has been Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. It is Extra Innings here on Seattle Sports. We're with you till 9 p.m. And we always like to bring on a secret special guest this time of night. It's Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com who joins me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Brandon, really appreciate you stopping by. Funny seeing you here on Extra Innings. Uh, this is this is a rare occurrence. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the first time this has ever happened on <laughs> April twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. Uh, so it's a, it's an honor to be here. It is, yeah. And I I mean I don't want to burst your bubble or anything, but this will be the only time you're here on April twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. I don't have any other segments Darn. planned for you. I I, <laughs> I know I don't want to waste your evening, and you've got you know tremendous plans. I'm sure. Well, I mean the Kraken are on, so uh, obviously you got to get back to that. But uh, Brandon. Series against the Cardinals, they took two out of three. Forward steps, I think, were made in this series for sure, specifically by one Jared Kelnick hitting two home runs and two home runs uh, that were not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, He just continues to impress. He continues to look like a completely different hitter up at the plate. Uh, What are you seeing from him that just makes you kind of say that this isn't a fluke what he's doing? No, he's hitting the ball ridiculously hard right now. And you you mentioned it. Those were not easy home runs for him to hit. Those were fastball down and in, lower third part of the plate, uh, then curveball down and in. And you just really have to be a strong, strong guy, get the barrel to it while also keeping your hands back to be able to just drive a baseball like that. It's uh, It's pretty ridiculous what he's been able to do. He's finding the barrel just so consistently He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark, obviously, to all fields. And what's kind of interesting is I think he's only had one pulled home run this year. I think it's all been center left field, uh, which is which is a good sign. It's showing that he's willing to use all fields, that he's able to use all fields with power, uh, with oomph. Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible that, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up the first month of the regular season here in just about a week or so. And not only has Jared Kelnick been their best player, best hitter by far, and it's really not even close, but he's been one of probably the 10 to 15 best hitters in all of baseball with what he's been doing. And he's shown he can hit lefties. Uh, he's been get he's been getting knocks against tough starters, tough relievers. He's just doing it against everybody. So it's a great sign. And uh, I know it's something we've talked about on the station a lot. Him getting off to a off to a hot start, a fast start, just kind of means more for for him than really anybody else, given some of the struggles that he's had early in his career. Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, you couldn't ask for a hotter start for a guy to get off to. Not just somebody that is put together, you know, two less than stellar seasons to start their career, but really anybody. I mean, he is leading the team in every offensive category you could think of. Uh, he has been what the Mariners had hoped he would be all those years ago when they made that trade uh, for him, sending Robinson Cano and Eddie Diaz to the Mets, getting him back. 
it looks like it's finally starting to turn their way. Uh, one thing right now that has not gone the Mariners' way are the early returns on the Colton Wong trade, Brandon. And uh, obviously yesterday he goes three for three, which was the good. It was a, a multi-hit day. We haven't seen too many of those from him. But he makes the fielding error that extends the inning, and the Cardinals are able to make the Mariners pay on the very next at-bat. Nolan Gorman takes Chris Flexen deep for a three-run home run. That kind of was the end of yesterday's game. Even in the fourth inning, it just kind of felt like that took the wind out of the sails. Uh, I mean, Colton Wong can't be this bad, right? Like This is this is a, a start that I have rarely ever seen anybody get off to uh, where it just feels like nothing is going his way. Yeah, and, and he's one of those guys where you you know what he is at the plate. He's a singles guy. He's a doubles guy. He's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. So it, it just it looks even worse because he's not having those those big impact type hits. He's not rifling a double into the gap. He's not coming up with with a home run at any point of this of the year. I believe every single hit that he's had, which as you mentioned, there haven't been a lot. I'm pretty sure they've all been singles. So it's a it's been tough sledding for for Colton so far and. Unfortunately, he had that down year defensively, and he hasn't been great there this year either. And and it's always one of those things that you kind of try to keep an eye on when a guy's struggling at the plate. Do they carry it over into the field? At, at times, he has this year, unfortunately. Uh, and with, with Dylan Moore out, and it looks like he's going to be on the shelf for a little bit longer, there probably is a little bit more pressure on Colton to, to get it going just because I don't know if they want to run Jose Caballero and Sam Haggerty out there more th- more often than they they really need to or want to. So Colton, somebody that obviously they they had high hopes for that he's somebody that's been on their radar for a long time. He's someone who has proven track record. I mean, you don't you don't be a big league regular for a decade if you're not a good player. And uh, Colt Wong has been a good player in his career. Just uh, it, it is it is a little uh, it's definitely alarming that not only is it a slow start because a lot of guys get off to slow starts, but it just seems like in every single kind of phase, it's uh, it's been going against him so far. But again, he's a veteran. He's been there for a long time. So if if you're kind of worried about it, like I totally understand. But he's probably someone that at some point you'll you'll see a nice little stretch here from him. And again, it's it's a lot of singles, it's a lot of doubles. But as long as he doesn't carry the offensive struggles over into the field, I think it'll be okay. But when you see that kind of happen on a on a on a would be I believe double play ball that that extends an inning, yeah, that that's definitely a problem. SeattleSports.com's Brandon Gustafson here on Extra Innings. And, uh, Brandon, there's been a lot of conversation on the station over the last uh, week or so. Just kind of what's the easiest fix right now for this Mariners team? There there are some areas that are clearly lacking. There are also some areas that are actually really good. It might surprise people that the pitching staff it, in total has the highest fan graphs war of any in baseball, which, you know, people hear that and they're like, well, I mean, I've seen the bullpen. There, There's no way that can be possibly true. It is. Two things can be true. Uh, what? What do you think is the easiest fix right now for this Mariners team? Is it you know the seven and eight spots? Is it second base? Is it some guys down in the bullpen? Where do you see the Mariners having that ability to just kind of flip a switch and, and no longer have to worry about things? Yeah, the the easiest switch is probably on the pitching side of things, just because that's where they've been so good for so long. If if they get one more arm going, Brash hasn't quite lived up to the high leverage billing. Like if he all of a sudden clicks, even without Andres Munoz coming back right away. Uh, that that definitely changes things. It, it shortens games. It gives them more more opportunities to really put the clamps down on guys. Uh, another one would be Chris Flexen, who just has not looked like Chris Flexen. He's someone who was their best pitcher just two years ago and has just kind of looked like a shell of himself so far this year since he's moved into the starting rotation. He's 
He's just not quite as fine uh, in and around the the corners of the zone so far. I mean, if if those two things clicked, I think those are the easiest ones. Then it is another example of like, hey, just get these guys four runs and you're probably going to win a lot of these games. Um, but also at, at the end of the day, you do need at least one more bat to kind of come alive. We've seen some good signs over the weekend, I thought, from A.J. Pollock. Big double against the Cardinals on Friday. Even though he didn't have anything to really show for it yesterday, he did hit the ball really hard a couple of times. So if Pollock starts kind of getting going, then, hey, you have your three outfielders. You kind of have an everyday DH sort of deal between those three outfielders uh, in Kelnick, Julio, and Teoscar, and then A.J. Pollock uh, also rounding that out. That definitely changes things, even if you're not getting anything from from Colton Wong or whoever's there at second base. I think that's probably enough given the top of the order and some of these guys are coming alive. Obviously, Kelnick and Teoscar have really started to come alive the, the last week or so. Um, I, I, I do think the pitching side of things, just because of the way this team has been structured and who they have, is probably the easier thing. But really, at the end of the day, they just need one more bat to kind of get going, and I think you'll see them be able to string together a few more wins in a row. Brandon, you look at what Teoscar Hernandez has done over the last couple of games. Uh, you know, hitting the two home runs in this homestand, and uh, really, you know, just kind of shaking off those early season woes. We, uh, I think, what well, last year with Toronto, he got off to a really slow start. Uh, you know, hit like 150 or something in the month of May, and then in June, July, August, and September was, you know, one of the best hitters on the planet. Uh, it, how tough is it, you know, looking at this team right now and seeing some guys uh, get off to the slow starts? Like in, in the month of April, I just can't imagine that it is comfortable for anybody to be playing baseball in a climate that is like north of, you know, the Mason Dixon line in, in, in the United States. Because, like, especially here in Seattle, you know it, I know it, everybody listening to it, uh, we're just waiting for, you know, temperatures to get above 70 degrees which is what it should be this weekend but it's been cold like balls are not traveling anywhere and for a guy like Tasker Hernandez who has played his last few seasons in a dome I mean it's probably been a pretty rude uh rude welcome to Seattle for him oh yeah and we've seen that over the years with a lot of guys Jesse Winker last year another example where it, he he looks like he gets into one and then it's warning track and <laughs> we, we saw that with Teoscar a few times the the good thing with Teoscar is he does hit the ball as hard as anybody in baseball, and we have seen that he's been able to get a few out of here that that probably weren't going out first two weeks of the season. So that's a good sign. But yeah, it, it's a it's tough sledding, man. It's uh, it's one of those things where like you kind of hope that they could draw a few more California games early in the year instead of going to Cleveland like they did. I mean, they started last year in Minnesota. That's just. That's just brutal with the ball not traveling. It makes it harder. And obviously, guys start to press when they look up at the scoreboard and see their numbers aren't what they should be or what they want them to be. So, yeah, obviously, we know what that's like here. You've heard about the marine layer as long as we've been alive, basically, about the ball <laughs> just just dying in the air. Um, but uh, like you said, a, a lot of this, it'll it'll turn around. Guys like Suarez and Teoscar, Julio, I mean, a lot of these balls that it looks like they're just missing, those will be going five rows deep in, in in the next few weeks or so, which is good. And and then obviously the, the pitching has turned around. As you said, they've they've been statistically arguably the best t- pitching staff in baseball this year. I mean, if, if this is a team that can get four or five runs a game, they're gonna be in just a really, really good spot. It's just unfortunately a lot of a lot of two, three run games and that just hasn't quite been enough for them to to get to five hundred and above so far. 
Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joins me, I would say, every edition of, of Extra Innings, but there was that one time you went and got engaged, so can't really say every time, but <laughs> uh, Brandon, you're a regular on this show, and we appreciate you for it. What do you guys got going on on the website this week? Yeah, obviously the NFL draft this week is going to be really big, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, so that's going to be a lot of our focus. Uh as long as the Kraken are able to kind of keep staying alive this week, uh, we're, we're going to keep pushing out a lot of content about that, too. And, I mean, it's kind of the, this Philly series that's going to be starting. It's a little bit like the Cardinals series where it's two teams in the Mariners and the Phillies now that underachieving to start, but obviously made it to the postseason, had some good little runs last year. So hopefully we're able to see some kind of better baseball start to get played and really uh, really capitalize here because obviously there was a lot of buzz and excitement about this team heading into the season. Follow Brandon at the B Gustafson and make sure you're also reading all of his work at SeattleSports.com. Brandon Gustafson, always a treat to have him on extra innings. Brandon, you have a great rest of your evening. Uh, you too, C Rod. Appreciate it. On the other side of the break, Stacy Rost and myself had a conversation late last week on what is the easiest fix for this Mariners ball club. Let's take a listen to what we had to say earlier last week on Seattle Sports. Don't go anywhere. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. That's ready, the windup and the one-two on the way. Swing and a fly ball deep to center field. Newtbar going back. Waddy track to the wall. Leaps up and goodbye baseball. Teoscar Hernandez with his fourth home run of the season. Straight away center, and he has just tied this game. It's the Mariners 2 and the Cardinals 2. Number 4 for Teoscar Hernandez. Who are these Philadelphia Phillies that the Mariners are taking on this week in Philly at Citizens Bank Ballpark, the defending National League champs? We talked to Matt Gelb of The Athletic. That's coming your way in 30 minutes from now here on Extra Innings. Curtis Rogers back with you. And, and late last week, Stacey Ross and I, we had a conversation on air. What is the quickest fix for this Mariners team? We're all looking for the quick fix. We're all looking uh, for, you know, that that thing that is going to just get the, everything right, get everything back on track. Now, there are, there are some obviously big needs on this Mariners roster right now through 22 games, the seven and eight spots in the lineup, second base, the bullpen. Where is that quick fix? What's the one thing that is going to take this Mariners team from kind of staying afloat right now to comfortably swimming to shore, to comfortably back in the boat? Uh, Stacy Ross and I, we get into this earlier on Bump and Stacy, and here's what we had to say. I love this question for a couple reasons. One, because the Mariners do have some issues, and I know it's early in the season, but it's also far enough into the season to start saying, like, okay, here's where I'd love to see improvement. Secondly, it's important to talk about how even one area of improvement can have a drastic impact on this team because there is so much to like about this team. So that's not to give an artificial, uh, you know, kind of rose-colored glasses look at the team. It is to say, what if they're only one or two improvements away from being really, really competitive? So my question, you can pick one thing the Mariners have been struggling with to improve. Why would your pick make the single biggest difference? And I don't want to hear your answer be offense. It has to be just one thing. <laughs> Playing baseball, you got to pick one <laughs> Scoring thing. more runs to the other team. One thing that is better uh, or improved upon compared to how it has been. Curtis, what's yours? 
Well, first off, uh, do I sound like I'm in a bathroom? You right sound now? like you're in a slightly smaller, more uh, insulated bathroom. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Uh, well, at least we're making incremental Progress. improvements here. Yeah. Just it's like, like Russell we hope Wilson, the Mariners. Twelve bathrooms in your house. Exactly. <laughs> Just going to different we're, ones. We're hoping that the Mariners can make progress, like yes, I have made today exactly. in my in my audio. You're quality. a model for them. <laughs> so. For me, the one thing that I would pick uh, for the Mariners that have been struggling with uh, this season that would make the biggest difference is the bullpen. It Mm. is the bridge to Paul Seawald at the end of games. Matt Brash, a lot was expected of him this season. He has not gotten off to the start that uh, everybody had been hoping for. You've got other guys that have kind of struggled. Andres Munoz isn't in there right now. He's not available because he's hurt. To me, if your identity is winning close ball games and is winning extra inning mm-hmm. games and it's just keeping it close so that you have given yourself a shot in the eighth and ninth inning, then your bullpen has to be one of the very best in baseball. And that's what it's been over the last couple seasons yeah. with the Mariners. Um, but right now, when they play that Los Bomberos intro at games, it just doesn't hit like it used to. <laughs> it just it just doesn't send shivers you down flinched. my spine. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Bomberos are here. Oh, no. <laughs> this game's over. That, to me, is, is going to be the thing I'm picking right now as uh, the one thing the Mariners need to improve on uh, that could make the biggest difference. Now, I think this is also where the critiques of Scott Service have come in. I do not think that the problem with this team, first of all, I don't know yet, it's early, that there's some big problem. But secondly, the critiques of service haven't made sense. However, Curtis, I do think that they pop up when it comes to that bullpen management. Because there are people already on the Mac and Jack's text line saying that management would be one of theirs. Would not be my choice, but when you look at the bullpen, is that where you see the correlation with some of the critiques of Scott Service, or do you see it as being, you know what I mean? Like, is it the way the bullpen's being used, or is it the bullpen? I think it's it's the bullpen right now. I, I don't know if, uh, I don't see too many instances of Scott Service picking the wrong guy in the wrong situation, and, and look, injuries have kind of taken their toll. I look back at that Cleveland series where uh, the game, I think, went into extra innings, mm-hmm. and when you get into extra innings, like you know, these relievers are not multi-inning guys by any stretch of the imagination. Your multi-inning guy was supposed to be Chris Flexen, uh, but obviously he had to get moved to the rotation right now. You, that, there was that one game where it was with JP, JB Bukaskis yeah. came in and he <laughs> we cost like, them the game. Uh, he, he gave up uh, the, uh, I think it was the game winning runs to Cleveland. I think it was that Sunday game. Uh, so, the, the situation for the bullpen right now is one where it's just kind of like, can anybody step up and fill the void of Andres Munoz while he's out? I don't think so because, I mean, his skill set is, is so hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. How many guys do you know that can throw 103, 104 miles an hour? Right. Uh, I don't know Nobody. any others. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know any. <laughs> exactly. Personally. Uh, so I, I think service gets a pass for bullpen management right now just because it's kind of yeah. a skeleton crew. Who are you managing? Uh, okay, I'll read a couple from the Mac and Jack's text line before I get to mine from the 206. I would change Julio from leadoff hitter to batting third or fourth. Now, we've talked before, you know, why Julio at leadoff, and it's like, well, you want the most at-bats for your best player. Um, but this is not the only listener to call for Julio to being moved down in the lineup. The 253, I'd call for Julio to be moved down in the lineup to increase run support. So if they could make one change, it would be where they play place Julio. Um, I'm going to 
move on to my area of improvement uh, because it's related to offense. So we'll kind of combine this conversation. Uh, my area improvement, were I to choose just one area, I said Colton Wong. And I think that mm-hmm. um, we've talked frequently about, you know, like, what if this team is just a bat away from being, you know, um, you know, even really competitive and, and really, really solid. That's how we felt heading into the season. Um, I think they're more than just a single bat. I think they've got to get firing on all cylinders where all phases of their game is working at once instead of, you know, the pitching is lights out and then they can't get a run or they're getting a ton of runs, but the bullpen is just giving them up uh, the second they get out there. It's not complimentary yet. It's really been complimentary in like three or four games. Um I think, though, that if you were to even just improve where Colton Wong is average or slightly above average, that ends up doing a lot. It doesn't have to be, you know, peak Nelson Cruz coming in hitting bombs. Like, it can just be someone who can get on base, occasionally drive in a run uh, or walk in a run, right? Control the zone. But then also I want to add on his glove, too. When you look at defensive run save, they've had the most pain from that second base position. Like, it's not, it's the bat and the glove when it comes to Wong. And we know that he's better than this. So he would be my one pick. If I could choose one area of improvement that I think would make the biggest impact just on its own, it would be a second. It would be Colton Wong. Yeah. And you gave up, uh, you know, Jesse Winker, who, I don't think was ever going to fit here in Seattle, uh, despite we know what Jesse Winker's top end is like, and that's an all-star, but I don't think it was ever going to work here. Mm -hmm. But you look at the production of him compared to the production of Colton Wong so far, Milwaukee is winning that trade. uh, But I don't think this is, I don't think what we've seen from Colton Wong is who he is. He can't be this bad, right? Like this is, <laughs> this is what we've seen from him over the season's first 19 games is, is not a major league player. And I just, I don't see somebody going from what he was, where he was very consistent in terms of production throughout his career, whether it was in St. Louis or Milwaukee to now just falling completely off right, the earth. Like, right. I, I don't I don't know if that's how it's going to be. Now, there is the adjustment going from the National League to the American League. He's only ever played in the National League before this season. So maybe there's some, some you know, there's something to mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. now there's that line being blurred between the two leagues now because there's a designated hitter in the National League. Like, you, there isn't much of a difference between the two. Uh, I just... I, like he can't be this bad, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, just not... that's how I feel watching it. It's like there's no way, there's no way someone can consistently hit like, like a like a one twenty or less. Like it's just you know what I mean. Yeah. You you see it and you're like that, that can't be right. Like you have to try at that point to be bad. Um, no, I think that we're uh, we're all expecting the improvement to come. And make sure you're downloading every hour of every show at SeattleSports.com or in the Seattle Sports app. You can download that wherever it is you get your apps on your iPhone or your Android device, whatever smartphone you've got. Seattle Sports is available at your fingertips. And make sure you are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to every Seattle Sports podcast that you subscribe to or, or listen to. Curtis. Rogers with you on extra innings. We continue on until 9 p.m. here on this Monday night. Really appreciate you stopping by. If you want to join in on the conversation at any point, the Mac and Jack's text line is there for you at 866-979-3776. Still plenty to get to in this one. Matt Gelb of The Athletic, he joins me right at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, he sits down with me at 8.30. We take a look at some of the biggest headlines in baseball at 8.45 with a round of pepper lots and lots still coming your way here on extra innings but before all that 
we get to a sit-down that Aaron Goldsmith of the Mariners Radio Network had with Trevor Gott, Mariners reliever, who came over this past offseason from the Milwaukee Brewers organization. How has his adjustment been to Seattle and just becoming a member of this Mariners bullpen? We dive into that next here on Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. This is Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Throughout the course of a week here on Seattle Sports, you have got so much great Mariners content being thrown your way. Obviously, Extra Innings, every Mariners off day from 7 to 9 p.m., but you've also got the dugout, which airs tomorrow with Bump and Stacy from 1 to 2 p.m., you have got Jeff Passon. You've got John Morosi. You've got the Jerry Depoto Show, which is Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. But also, prior to every Sunday game, you've got an hour of Trident Talk hosted by Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And one of their special guests this week was Mariners reliever Trevor Gott. Now, whenever the Mariners acquire a relief pitcher these days, you always kind of perk up a little bit because they have a way of turning just any old relief pitcher into just this strike-throwing machine. Trevor Gott was picked up this past offseason from the Milwaukee Brewers, and he talked to Gary and Aaron about his journey in Major League Baseball going from Kentucky to his days with Jerry DePoto and Scott Service and Justin Hollander with the L.A. Angels to now being here, coming full circle with the Mariners all these years later. Let's take a listen to this conversation. Trevor, it's really nice to be able to spend some time with you. Uh, our first question is, are you staying warm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not too bad up here. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, so I'm used to some cold winters and was in Milwaukee last year, similar weather around this time. So I don't mind it too much. I just stay inside if I'm not at the field. I mean, what's the bullpen like on these? I mean, we've had some like 40-degree nights yeah. at T-Mobile Park. We have, this, we have space heaters. we got jackets. What do we have out there? So there's a heater under the bench. Keeps the bench nice and warm. And then there's heaters up top on the little roof that hangs out over us. Then we got our jackets on. So it's pretty, it's pretty warm in there. But once you step out onto the mound and get going, <laughs> that's when it hits you. You take your jacket off and you're like, ah, it's actually cold, so... You're continuing the proud Mariners Kentucky tradition. Yeah. James Paxton James had a really Paxton, nice yeah. run here. Evan White won a gold glove. Yeah. So you're continuing yeah. the tradition. I guess so. Yeah. Now there's a lot of good ball players that have come out of Kentucky, so those two are have had good careers. So what was it like playing ball growing up in Kentucky? It was good. We there's a lot of competition. Um a lot of good players that came out around my age. Um so I grew up playing against big leaguers, guys that made it pretty high up in the minor leagues. Um, so it was all, it was always very competitive, um, especially Kentucky. You don't think much. You think more basketball. But we have a lot of good baseball there, and um, it was fun. So Reds fan growing up? What, yeah. what was it? Okay. I'd say I was a Reds fan. Um, I wasn't super into professional baseball growing up, but um, my dad and I would go up to the Reds games. Um, the Reds weren't great when I was growing up, so uh, we'd go catch the big names that were coming through, mm. um, like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, a bunch of those guys. That's We would go, not nothing against the Reds, but we would go <laughs> try to see them hit a home run or something, you know? So, When, when did you know that baseball was, was your calling? I would say around getting out of Little League, so like 12 to 13 years old I was a lot more advanced than the other people that I was playing against and uh, 
went into the high school circuit and I was think I was in seventh or eighth grade and I was playing some JV and stuff um, and realized like uh, just as good if not better than these guys too so I would say around then I was like okay I think I can go I can go to college and play baseball and then come senior year I just kept getting better and better got into college and that first fall ball kind of got hit in the mouth a little bit but finished freshman season then went to the cape and my freshman summer in the cape is when I would say I got I was like okay yeah this could be something that I I can keep doing for a while any uh, cape teammates or opponents that you played with of note that are kicking around the show these days um Stroman was there Matt Boyd Matt Duffy John Brebbia Andrew Chafin oh yeah I'm sure I'm missing some, but... Hey, to go back a moment, you said 7th or 8th grade playing on JV. Is that is that literally what it sounds like? You were in junior high and you were playing on the high school JV team? Yeah, I would go. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't play the, um, like, Babe Ruth and stuff, so I just did the high school JV stuff in the spring and then would play summer ball, like AAU stuff. So Was... Was pitching your thing at that point? Were you more I of a was, hitter? What where were you in your I was development? Both. Okay. Um, no, I would say I was equally good at both. And you were a reliever at Kentucky, all time mm-hmm. saves leader at Kentucky. Yeah. Was it always a reliever? Yeah, I, was, I started in high school, but um, no, right when I got to college, I was reliever. What's interesting is if you go to your savant page mm-hmm. and the only thing you look at is your pitch mix. You would say, that's a starter, just by looking at the mix. It's so funny yeah. that you've been a reliever this whole time, yet you have a mix like a starter. How did you develop that pretty unique uh, mix for a reliever? Going into college, I was primarily just a four-seam fastball. I threw hard, so in high school, I would just throw fastballs. Um, I had a little curveball thing, but it, it wasn't any good. So when I got to college, I started throwing a sinker and learned a curveball would throw a change up every now and then um so i was all sinker curveball into pro ball sinker curveball up until i would say like 2017 or 18 started throwing the four seam again and then 2019 started messing with the cutter and i guess just you know when you get knocked around a little bit you start making stuff up and see what works see what doesn't so i guess just over my career I've just try to adapt and get better and throw pitches. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to pick up pitches pretty quickly. So uh, now I have sinker, cutter, changeup, curveball, forcing. It's, it seemed like last year with Milwaukee was like the cutter breakout year for yeah. you. Now, were you throwing it prior to that in, in the minors the year before, or was, or was last year really the year that it, it really burst on the scene for you? No, I would say that 2021 when I was in AAA with the Giants, um, I used that year to – really hone in on the cutter and get the sinker back to where it was a couple years ago Um, so I was throwing a lot more sinkers a lot more cutters and really really working on that not that the results there didn't matter but I felt like I would I knew that I'm I know I'm a big league pitcher and I needed to use that time since I was going to be there to um, to get my stuff right so I could compete some guys have fastballs that naturally cut and then they just kind of add the actual cut to it right they in- intensified more yeah does yours have that or is you are you are you making all that happen on your own yeah no um 
my ball naturally goes arm side, so the cutter's all me manipulating it a little bit. So, and so what? Uh, good results with the last year mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Like, what has that pitch done for you that has helped you get to this level now in that short period of time? Um, I f- I feel like it's done everything. Honestly, it's it started off as a pitch for me to steal a strike, or if I was behind in the count be able to throw something that looked like a fastball maybe get a weak ground ball or a swing and a miss or just a take to get me back into the count and then I started being able to locate it where I wanted and kind of manipulate it and it's become a primary pitch for me so um it's just a pitch that is a little off my fastball moves a little bit um I guess opposite direction sure. of my other stuff and um it looks enough like my four seaman sinker coming in to get weak contact and swings and misses and takes so when you're developing that pitch in particular is it harder to be able to run that in on a lefty to the right spot or to backdoor it and clip the outside of the strike zone like what what comes first in the progression of of developing that pitch yeah it's definitely easier to make it go glove side so into a lefty um i would say the backdoor comes after he that takes more command of it that takes a lot more command yeah um it's harder to make it have the shape arm side. Um, you can't just yank it across. Uh, you really have to stay behind it and get on it on the arm side. Um, you can't really get away with not throwing it right. Um, because you're wanting, are you, you're wanting a left-handed hitter in that particular case to give up on it. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You want them to think it's four-seam sinker off the plate, and then it comes back just a couple inches and still a strike or get a strikeout with it. But, um yeah, I would say that that's last in the development of a cutter. A lot of guys think cutter, you have to make it big or you have to see the break, and that's not necessarily true with it. It's uh, If it's staying at zero or just a little bit negative, it works perfectly fine. Trevor, are you a nerd? <laughs> I've, I've gotten into analytics just, be, just because of the cutter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, this yeah. is your gateway. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. everybody needs something. Yep. The cutter's the entry point. <laughs> yep, I guess so. You see a lot more cutters nowadays, too, so... Have you been to your Savant page? I know Gary said, like, in this wild world of, like, if you go to your Savant page, uh, but have you been to your Savant page? I have not, okay, no. so you're... I, I don't get on... They, they provide the nerd data for okay. you, though. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, the Mariners... Yeah, no, like, I can get on the iPad. Yeah, and Trent's got all the, all the, all the numbers If we for want you. anything, they they have it. Um, okay. So, yeah. yeah but I, I don't like getting too into it. It can... It can probably... It gets in your head. It does. Sure. It does, yeah. How much have the Mariners helped what you're trying to accomplish how has that relationship been it's it's been great it's uh a lot of freedom they give you what you're good at where you're good at it with and um it's not you need to throw this pitch right here this pitch right here it's you need to throw strikes first and foremost and there's a lot of room in the strike zone for all your pitches so Mm -hmm. don't get too focused on hitting exact locations just attack the strike zone with your pitches and i feel like that's been huge for me personally i have had tendency in the past to think oh fastball in i have to hit right there fastball away right there and that's not the case it's being aggressive in the zone yeah you don't want to throw it right down the middle you still have to pitch but um makes the game a lot easier when you're ahead consistently Mm. and then you can expand the zone so instrumental in that sense when you take the mound, we talked about your array. You have a lot of pitches that you're from. Mm-hmm. You could have a nine-pitch outing, right, in an inning. How do you prioritize 
your arsenal and what you want to do on the mound in a given outing? Well, there's pitches that I'm more comfortable with and that mm-hmm. are better than the other ones. Um, and being a reliever and usually out there for just one inning, you want to stick with those. If I'm going out multiple innings or if there's a glaring situation with a certain hitter where I could use a changeup instead of the pitches I throw most, uh, we'll bust it out. But mm-hmm. um, it's just sticking with what I'm good at and knowing that I do have some other stuff if I need it. Trevor Gott is our guest. Some off-seasons, bullpens get overhauled <laughs> or minorly overhauled. There's maybe two, three new relievers that come in or they're competing for jobs. This year for the Mariners, it was Trevor Gott. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the bullpen was the bullpen, uh, and there was one spot open, and the contract that you got, it was like, yeah, Trevor's in the bullpen. Yeah. So with all that in mind, as you know, as you've observed even just casually from afar, the Mariners have had this really good thing going out of the pen for a couple of years now. Yeah. So what was that like coming into it back in spring training and then settling into it once the season begins as, as the new guy and kind of ad- adapting to the culture and the way that they do things here in Seattle? Yeah, it was. I was extremely excited. I was ecstatic whenever they reached out and um, we got the ball rolling. And I've been, I've noticed watching baseball what comes out, what's been coming out of Seattle. So um, I think a lot of guys realize it too um, around the league. So it's a spot that I've been wanting to be at. And then once once I got there, how easy it was and how great the guys are and the culture and stuff just accepting and getting into it. I feel like I've been here longer than I have that sense. Um, so I've been really comfortable. Um, the guys are great. Coaching staff's great. Front office is great. I w- was with Jerry and Justin and Service and all of them in Anaheim way back. So we kind of had a little connection, I guess, um, which makes things easier. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just super excited, and it's been great. I love it here. Hour two of Extra Innings comes your way right around the break. Matt Gelb of The Athletic, who covers the Philadelphia Phillies. He'll join me to preview this upcoming series between the Mariners and Phillies. Don't go anywhere. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.